This is a Bent Sports podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with men and women from across the sporting landscape. We talk all about their sporting journeys, their mental health and how they keep their mind on the game. For this week's episode of Mind on the Game, we have another amazing female guest and she's doing incredible work to help people with their mental health as well. Her name is Chloe Bellaby. Chloe is a women's footballer. She has played for Harrogate Town Ladies and has gone on a big adventure of her own, playing in the United States on a college scholarship first at New Jersey University before moving to Sussex County, where she is soon to move back to at time of recording. In March 2019, three days before her 18th birthday, Chloe was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or MS, which is a life-changing condition. In this episode, we discuss Chloe's football journey and how her MS diagnosis shaped her ability to play football, her wider physical health and her mental health. We had a little bit of technical difficulties during this recording so it's just going to be the sport journey part for this episode. I'm hopeful I can get Chloe back to talk about her wider mental health journey and everything else around it but for now this is how Chloe Bellaby keeps her mind on the game. Hopefully part two coming soon. Chloe, welcome to Mind on the Game. Thank you for coming on letting me check in with you. I know you are very soon to move back to the United States, so thank you for taking the time to chat to me just before you go. How are you and how are you coping with everything going on in the world right now? Uh, It's a pleasure to be on here and I'm doing really well. I'm just preparing to go back to America, training every day, running every day, working every day. So yeah, I'm really busy, but life's good. You do so much amazing work online in the mental health community, Chloe. How do you have so much time to do TikToks? Is that something I've not really been able to find the time to put aside for? Yeah, do you know what? TikTok takes a lot of time, more than I thought it would. Um, but I do I do somehow fit it in and not always regularly. Like That's something that I still have to work on, doing it regularly. But if I can get two videos out a week, then I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd kill for that level of consistency, to be honest. I think the listeners will find your journey so helpful and inspiring to them, Chloe. So let's just start the show. Let's start Mind on the Game, as we always do, by talking about the guest's sporting journey. So for you, Chloe, it's football. Now, I ask every guest this question first. So tell me how you discovered it, who took you to maybe your first kickabout or your first match, And how did you fall in love with the sport and the game? I think there's actually a picture of me with a ball at my feet when I was about one years old. And my dad had pulled that picture out only a few weeks ago. And I was like, wow, like that's where it all really started. But to be honest, I really started praying properly when I was about seven or eight years old, mainly just with the lads on a lunchtime. Didn't really think much of it at the time. I just enjoyed playing the sport and kind of getting thrown into like all the guys running up and down the field it was really good and I think there was probably one other girl at the time who was playing and loved it just as much as I did and I think there was something about the sport even from a young age that I just absolutely loved and that escapism and I just remember my dad taking me to a Leeds United game when I was younger as well uh, we're a massive Leeds <laughs> my family are massive Leeds supporters so I remember I was dragged to that game and 
yeah, I absolutely just loved it. The atmosphere, the players, everything. I spoke to another female footballer called Megan Hughes, who played for Leeds United, and she told me how when she was growing up and playing with the boys, it taught her a lot about resilience because kids, and especially male kids at that age, can be very ruthless and very cutthroat in how they deal with people. And I guess it plays a lot into kind of the exclusionary culture of football and how if you're not good enough, you just don't get past the ball and stuff when you're a kid. When you were playing with those boys, did it teach you a lot about resilience and having to basically just, if you know, I have to be good enough, otherwise they will kind of treat me with kid gloves and you didn't want that. And then when you were good enough, they'll probably put in two-footed tackles on you as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, like the boys at my school were so involving. Like they wanted the girls to get involved. They wanted the girls to play football. But yeah, it definitely made me toughen up when I was younger. It ha- like I had to be because the boys were so rough. Even if I was a girl, like I was treated as one of the lads. And, and I think that was kind of where my development came from, really. Like if I wasn't playing in that team or at the school at that time, then... I don't think I'd really be the player that I am today. I think it definitely set me up to go into a female team. And yeah, and kind of pushed me to be a better player and a better person. You had trials at Leeds United and then York City women's teams respectively. However, you didn't quite make those despite making it to the last round of players. So you had a few experiences of failure quite young. We talk a lot about failure on this pod, Chloe. How did that affect your mental health at the time? And and looking back, how did you learn from that failure? Are you perhaps in any way glad you went through those experiences? Although maybe at the time you weren't maybe glad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time I was genuinely gutted because I remember I would spend every single day after school preparing for the trials just on my own or with the other girl that was also trialing with me at the school. And to be so close to going to that next level every time, I would say definitely not my confidence and I think like I know in my heart I was very resilient and I would bounce back each time and each year I would go to the trials get to literally the last part every single time and then I would be just not quite there and I think in the game you have to have that ability to bounce back and be prepared for adversity at any instant and I think otherwise it completely impacts your performance after that and I think I had to become very aware of that. Like I knew I had to become aware that it was going to affect my performance on the pitch. And I'm definitely glad for what happened. And I don't think I would have ended up in America had I ended up playing at a higher level in England. And I just believe everything happens for a reason. And those setbacks paved the way for my future experiences. We're going to talk about America in a second, but you played in a local grassroots team until you were 16 before you then joined Harrogate Town Ladies and you were successful in kind of making that step up. Can you tell me how that move came about, what you learned and then your journey during this period? Because I understand there was a lot of girls who are a lot older than you in this team. So you had to kind of smart up on the on the streetwise level, shall we say? (laughs) Yeah, so they basically just created this new team at Harrogate Town and the coaches who were involved in the setup knew my grassroots coaches and I ended up going for trials there and then joining the team more or less straight away when I was 16 and I realised that it was going to take my game to complete the next level and it was such an incredible opportunity for me just as a, like to develop as a player and as a person and like you said I had older girls on the team like in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s and I think it definitely forced me to work harder and become a better person and, and a better player and I learned so much from the girls and their work ethic kind of rubbed off on me and their resilience and they set the standards high and I knew I had to fight for a place in the starting lineup and it definitely made me realise how much more growth I still had to do if I wanted to play at a higher level. At 18 years old, instead of deciding to go to a UK university, which I guess would have been still a scary step, but maybe the easier step, 
you decided to make a very big move and you went to New Jersey University in the United States to study for a psychology degree. You were also offered a scholarship as well. How did that offer come about and what was the main reason behind you taking that plunge outside of, I guess, maybe a financial one? Yeah, so my coach at Harrogate Town, John Maloney, he runs an agency called Sports Recruiting USA and this agency basically assists females and males in securing a football scholarship in the States. And I ended up signing for that agency and I had coaches emailing me back and forth, had FaceTime calls nearly every week just with different coaches trying to figure out which one was best for me. And the particular college that I ended up committing to, I already had girls there that I knew from the agency. And I remember when I was on the call with them, the coaches were so down to earth and you could just tell they were genuinely good people who had my best interest at heart. And I knew that that was kind of the best place for my development. I kind of knew straight away after that first initial call that they were kind of the team for me, the college for me. And it was something that I'd always wanted to do since I was 11 years old. So when the opportunity came about, I kind of jumped at it. And and I knew I was in a place mentally where it was time for something new and really time to like understand just how incredible life was and that there was more to the small town that I was in. You mentioned there that there were already girls that you knew who were making that jump. Do you think that made it a lot easier? Because if you hadn't had those girls, then maybe it would have been a lot scarier. You know, no one you knew out there, kind of all that sort of stuff angle. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely have been more scary. But I think either way, whether I was going to go to that college or a different one, I think the jump would still have been scary. I guess it just kind of made it easier for me to go out there and decide to go to that particular one but yeah it definitely helped having people like familiar faces and people that I knew there. When we were 18 I suppose all the images we had about US colleges were sort of hyperbolized projections taking from American films, TV shows, American Pie, all that sort of stuff. Did you have that assumption going in and as well as this given you're not only English but a proud northerner how did the US students react to you as you started making friends? Were you seen as some sort of like exotic creature or get any lazy Game of Thrones jokes sent your way or did you sort of fit in straight away? Well to be honest Americans love Brits and they love the British accent so that definitely helps you in making friends out there and I think because my college was kind of in the middle of nowhere people were kind of shocked to hear anything other than an American accent so I definitely fit in more or less straight away and it helped having a team of girls behind me to kind of smooth that transition of obviously moving from England to America. I mentioned it a bit previously, Chloe, but on Mind of the Game, we always talk about a mistake or a moment of failure that a guest has experienced and what they learned from it. When you were in America, and actually this could be outside of the sport as well, is there a story you feel comfortable sharing with the listeners about a particular mistake? I think one semi-final game in New York City, you mentioned, feels a bit appropriate here. Yeah, so a big game for me was actually the semi-final game of my first year. And I remember we were playing under the lights in New York City. Perfect setting, perfect evening and completely different world from my small town here. And as a team, we played really, really well. We made silly errors that kind of cost us the game in the end. And the seasons are so short in America. Like you literally start in September and you're finished by November. So that loss felt like such a kick in the teeth because we had worked so, so hard in preparation for that game. And I kind of realised there that if you lose your focus for even a second when playing football, it can be the difference between winning and losing. And that is something that kind of stood out to me in that game. Like I didn't really realise it before that game. And you have to be completely committed to whatever it is that you're doing. 
I think that loss hurt for such a long time, but it also gave me and the team that mentality of we are taking the back seat to nobody next year. And we completely worked so, so hard preparing for the following season. And it just gave us this burning desire to make sure that we were never going to feel that way again. And I think you have to use that circumstance like that to push you forward rather than using it as an obstacle as to why you can't do it. On the other end of the spectrum, what do you think has been the best positive memory of your playing time in America or maybe in any other teams that you've played for in that period? I would say, again, another game in America and it was the following year and we were completely underestimated that year because obviously we'd lost that semi-final game and all the teams in the region kind of thought that oh, they're not going to be any problems this year. But we actually ended up winning the region championship. And that was actually what we had set out to do. Like every single day since that loss, we'd work towards that. And I think that every single game we played, we'd won. And not even by a couple of goals, we won by quite a few goals. And then to be overall champions at the end of it meant everything. And it just showed to me that we needed that loss and that struggle and that pain in the previous year in order to work the hardest that we've ever worked. And it was the best feeling in the world winning that game because those teammates had now become family to me and we'd worked so hard for something that was a lot greater than us. I ask this question to every guest. So when you were playing, or when you are still playing now, What mental tools or techniques did you use before or during the match to keep your mind on the game, Chloe? So I would listen to a motivational speaker, Inky Johnson, before every single game. And I would listen to the exact same speech every time, which sounds so bizarre, I know. But his words resonated with me so much in this particular speech. And it just reminded me time and time again why I was doing what I was doing. And when I was losing focus in the game, I would turn back to his words and recall his words in my mind. And I think another thing that kind of helped me in focusing on what I was doing rather It was focusing on what I was doing rather than my competition. Because at the end of the day, I can't control what my opposition is doing. It's completely out of my control. But I can control my work ethic and my attitude to the game. And and I think that was something that I continuously worked on. We also had leadership sessions, usually a couple of days before the game, which helped me in changing and adapting my mindset to competition and preparing in the best way that I could for the game. So was that speech almost like a grounding technique for you? Yeah, and I think his words just completely resonated with me. Like, they were so powerful and so inspiring as well. And it just made me realise how lucky I was to play the game of football. And yeah, he is just awesome. I would absolutely recommend anyone to listen to him. Like I said in the intro, Chloe, in March 2019, you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or MS. Can you tell me how you felt when you were diagnosed and then how it shaped your football journey from that moment onwards? Obviously, when I was diagnosed, I was 3,000 miles away from home. And I genuinely felt as though the rug had been pulled from beneath me. And I remember the doctor telling me that I would never play football again. That was too much of a risk to both me and my body. And I was in a state of shock almost because I kind of went into the hospital thinking it was nothing too serious. And then to be told that I would never play football again, like completely shocked me and took me aback. And I remember just bursting into tears and wondering what on earth I was going to do next. But after I got the news, I kind of had 20 people in my hospital room, my teammates, my coaches, and they all made me realise that I could still go on to play football and that it was not going to determine me or my life or my future plans. And I actually remember my coach saying to me, it is going to be okay, Chloe, like you are going to play again. 
trust me on that one. And all the girls made me realise that nobody could ever tell me that I couldn't. And I left that hospital more determined, more hungry than ever. And I think that diagnosis pushed me to lengths that I didn't even know was possible and kind of made me realise what it really meant to be alive because I think I took so much for granted. What was meant to be a really difficult time in my life was actually one of the most heartwarming experiences I've ever had. And it brought us all together and made us want to fight for each other more and more. And I think that's why we probably won in the second year because we wanted to fight for each other so much. And I think we realised as a team how lucky we are to play the game of football and how it can easily be taken from you in a split second and how we should never take a second for granted and I genuinely believe that adversity was only thrown at me because there was something greater in store for me and I think it gave me a strength that I didn't even know existed and it showed others doubting themselves or for those that had been told that they couldn't that it could be done and I definitely think it made me the player that I am today and I ended up playing every single game of my second season even when I was told I couldn't and I won coaches player of the year and New Jersey woman of the year that year so yeah it pushed me into to be a person and a player that I didn't even know was possible. There's a really powerful message there about proving people wrong, I guess. For people who are listening, Chloe, they might not know too much about what MS is. They might view it as, like you said, like a very seriously debilitating condition, which might put them out of most general activities of life forever. Can you just explain what it is for the listeners and then maybe the right things to say to someone who's got it and maybe the wrong things to say to someone who's got it? MS is a neurological condition which is basically compromised of the brain and spinal cord and it basically means that your immune system attacks your nerves instead of kind of attacking off illness and it basically means that your legs go numb. When I first went into hospital I couldn't feel my feet, my legs, my lower back. Most people end up in a wheelchair unable to walk. And to be honest, I'd never heard of multiple sclerosis before I was diagnosed. And then I started researching about it and it start, I started to understand it more and more. And I guess the fear did kind of start kicking in then. I was told in the hospital that I'd probably end up in a wheelchair at some point, which is absolutely not what I wanted to hear when I was in that hospital bed. But I also do believe in the law of attraction and that you manifest things in your thoughts. So... If you constantly think about something, I think you think it into existence. And if I constantly worry about getting sicker or that I'm going to end up in a wheelchair, then I'll never be able to live a normal life. And I think I would make myself so unhappy also with that mindset. But I take each day as it comes. And if there is a time that I become more unwell, then I'll cross that bridge when it gets to it. But I just think life is too short to spend it worrying about things that may never happen. And just as a final question, Chloe, I know you're... US journey hasn't ended yet but what has it taught you about yourself and then what has football taught you about yourself how has it shaped you into the person I'm speaking to today I think it's kind of taught me that I'm capable of so much more than I could ever have imagined and not to really blow my own trumpet or anything but it has given me a lot of time to reflect and realize just how far I have come from that 16 year old girl who didn't see a purpose to where I am now so yeah it's just helped me grow so much as a person and and kind of made me realize how far I have come We have come to the end of this episode of Mind on the Game. Thank you to Chloe for being my special guest on this episode and telling me how she keeps her mind on the game. Chloe's social media is definitely worth a follow, so I include some links to that in the show notes if you want to do that. I'm going to sign us off by saying, as always, 
Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Thank you to all the vendors who keep supporting us. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Share the love, pass the pod, write us a review or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you think our pod is very good and you want to support the, the work the vent does further. If you like what we're doing and want to support us even more, please consider supporting our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk. Or if you want to make a one-off donation, please donate to our GoFundMe. Uh, The GoFundMe link is in all of the links on our link tree. Stay tuned for the next episode of Mind on the Game. And remember, it's always okay to bet.